Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Something else. You want to go fight some crime? I mean, they're both kind of hot. I just think Red Mist has a better body. On April 16th, Super is hot. That's why we're superheroes. You love us. Kick ass. Rated R. In theaters April 16th. Mm, welcome to Vicarious Living. Welcome back to the podcast. We have a guest on tonight's pod. I wrote down here in my notes number one on the VL pod call list, number 22 in our hearts. Intro music for Zerb. Here it is. What's up, Zerb? Top 25. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Zerb is filling in. He's now holds the spot alone as the number one podcast guest. Number who's, five? Who's number two? I think Megan has three or four. Ben has... Oh, it's only two for Ben. Yeah, he hasn't. A lot ben, of people Ben's have not, two. Yeah, Ben's not catching me. Lauren S. has two. Ben has two. Megan has three or four. Yeah. Any, anytime anyone's getting close, just let me know. I'll call. <laughs> I'll get back in here. I'll call. So, do you know our housekeeping to fill in for Pat? I know it at least as well as Pat does. Okay vicarious living pod on instagram and vicarious. Mm-mm, mm-mm. oh damn it <laughs> i've been listening to pat say it wrong for so long i got it wrong vicarious living pod at gmail that's it and vicarious living podcast on instagram get out of kids okay zerp announce the movie that we are doing tonight on the vl podcast we're doing the action classic kick ass i am jacked to the fucking tits i'm jacked to the tits i'm jacked to the tits yeah for this shit um okay this is directed by matthew vaughn he's done some stuff um i actually wish he had directed more in his life because a lot of the movies he's done are really good you were saying that he did uh the kingsman which is super good super underrated i feel like people Uh didn't really catch that first one and then the second one not nearly as good but yeah i think the problem with it was that it came out after like 10 years of being in development, like they showed, I remember with Kingsman, they showed a trailer for it and it was marketed this one way. Yeah. I didn't like the, the trailer. I thought it was going to be bad. And I think everyone did. Yeah. And so they just like took it and they were like, okay, fuck this. They put it back in and like re edited it, redid a whole reshot, a whole bunch of shit and then remarketed it as something completely different. Then came out with it and it got super high reviews. Yeah, I I wonder how much of it they had to actually like physically change about the movie as opposed to the marketing campaign because they just made it look like a shitty ripoff of a James Bond movie where it's just like what do they spend like 10 bucks making a bad James Bond movie and then they're just trying to market it. 
but then you go and see it and it's actually a completely like new age twist the same way kick-ass is with the action scenes you've never seen before and stuff like that so long story short matthew vaughn knows his way around an action scene yeah i agree all that stuff i think was spot on i think they changed it and i think it's changing like the tone like you change it from being like you said super dead serious into more of like the boys on amazon yeah where it's like an alternative take on superhero movies that's just yeah it's not every james bond movie that you've ever seen yeah that show is awesome by the way oh yeah if uh you ever do a tv related podcast that doesn't have to be about the teens put that one on the list dude we've made some loose connections to teens so i mean we could easily just say like yeah there's a teen in that so fuck it they were teens at one point yeah <laughs> yeah we made, i mean we did uh megan and i did he's just not that into you and there's literally not one teen in that movie and the only way that we tied it to this podcast was just saying it's great advice for teens fair enough so yeah we could find a way on the boys okay kick ass before we get to the rotten tomatoes let's just give a loose plot breakdown of this movie before we even do that oh okay I just want to compliment you on the new setup in here. Oh, yeah. Zerb just saw the new mic setup. This it's super profesh. Super profesh. I got the cans on. I believe that's what you call the headphones. Yeah, got the cans. Got my own mic that I'm sitting, <laughs> I feel like, way too close to. Uh-uh. Make me uncomfortable all night. You're and still coming up on the computer is way lighter than I am. All right. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll try to get even more creepily close to this mic. But I am going to say I can hear my own voice through the cans. And I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. You have to get used to it in real time now. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Good luck. Thanks. It takes a while. Okay. Plot on this movie. It's pretty simple. It's an alternative take on a superhero movie. And it's like an everyman superhero. This guy, Dave, he comes in and he's like, I just want to be a superhero. He decides he's going to be one. It's like set in a very real universe, not like. So I, I, I thought you've probably you probably did some research on this. Yeah. And is this based on a comic or like a graphic novel or anything? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it's not it's not like Matthew Vaughn came up with this awesome idea for superhero origin story that's more grounded in reality, totally on its own. No, it's based on something. Okay. Yeah, and actually that might that's a good segue. We can just go into the, what the comic book's based on because, and I'm actually surprised you didn't know that. Or I have, thought it was, but when you started describing it, I yeah. thought you were saying that he just created this movie. Yeah, yeah, so it's based on this comic book series, which I think had three or four parts, or books, three or four graphic novels in this comic series. The first one is Kick-Ass, the Dave Lazuski years, and that's book one, and that's what the movie's based off of, mm-hmm. Kick-Ass one. And the creators are Mark Millar and John Ramita. And they published it. It was published by Marvel Comics, which okay. is super sweet. So it's part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Is that where we're to assume? Yeah, but I, I don't. So Nick Nick Cage has been in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I guess yeah, you could say that. So it just says it's a story of Dave Lazuski. I'm never gonna get that right. He's a teenager who sets out to become a real life superhero. His actions are publicized on the internet to inspire other people. He gets caught up with the ruthless vigilantes, Big Daddy, a.k.a. Nick Cage, and Mindy, a.k.a. Hit Girl, who are on a mission to take down the crime family. Yeah. I don't know Bob. how to pronounce their name. Fuck it. D'Amico's, right? 
Yeah, it's different in the movie. In the yeah. movie, it's D'Amico's. This says it's uh, Genovese. Gen- Genovese. That's a real life one, so maybe that's why they switched oh. it. Yeah, maybe. So, anyways, the Kickass Two is based on the volumes two and three of the Kickass books, and then I think they go on and do like a separate Hit Girl series where she like is traveling across the world and she's like fighting crimes across the world. I would full on watch like a Fast and the Furious level of sequels about Hit Girl. Oh my god, dude! Yeah, we'll get we'll get to her. But before we get into the characters, let's guess some Rotten Tomatoes. I've seen it because it's everywhere. So guess what you think it is? You have you seen both? No. Okay. So I'm gonna say critic score lower than it should be, seventy. Pretty close. 74 Mm. and i'm gonna say the people before i look it up is higher yeah gotta be higher i want to go 93 with the people yeah i was gonna say 92 fucking 81 that's ridiculous okay i think we ended i think we just decided the rotten tomato game needs to end (sighs) i know exactly what i'm gonna do i was struggling this whole movie to come up with an NCITW for this movie because it's so fucking good and all the characters are perfect. So it's the Rotten Tomatoes? So, yes. This week, it's going to go really early and often to the movie critics and fucking Rotten Tomatoes. So this week, the Maris Cooper is the worst of the week. That is MCITW, and that is brought to you by Wicklowware. W-I-C-K-L-O-W-Ware. Be free and explore. Get all your auto gear at Wicklowware.com. Type in the promo code VLO at checkout. Get 10% off of your order. Kids, $30 on the baseball tees, $40 on the hooded sweatshirts, and $20 on the tanks. Get at us, kids, for all of our swag. It goes to the movie critics. Fuck you. Get fucked. Get bent. I hate all of you. I feel like we just set a couple records for the MCITW. I feel like that's the earliest mcitw in any pod and also possibly the first time it's gone to like a website yeah rotten tomatoes get fucked i don't understand that how are 26 percent of movie critics giving this a thumbs down that's what it is it's not they're giving it like a 70 they're giving it a below 50 you're saying pass fail fail fail. yeah and the only way is if people had just completely no idea what they were getting into when they were watching the movie. They were looking for an indie movie or something like that. It wasn't even marketed that way, so I don't understand how that could even happen. Exactly. Uh, these these idiots. Or, or, I'm or So basically, another way of saying that is if you're a critic who will never give just a fun movie, a fun action movie, a thumbs up. Okay, I got two fun facts about the movie, and then we'll get into the actual player breakdown. First one. This movie was rejected by pretty much every studio initially, and the consensus on the feedback from everyone was remove Hit Girl and we'll do it. And the director refused to do that. So that's why it got passed around so much before it Just actually on, got made. On the script? Yeah. Yeah. I was before you brought in the kicker there of get Hit Girl out of here, I was going to say. I get it. Like, it's not on paper. It's not a home run. Like, no. oh, like kind of this loser guy who he wants to be a superhero. He's shitty at it. And then he stumbles into this father-daughter team that's actually good at it. Like, that doesn't sound like it's going to work. No. 
So I can see why people would pass on it, but but not for the reason they did. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> it'd be like it'd be like you taking X Men into a studio, and they're just like, mm, "I love it. I love it. I love Cyclops. Can you? I can love Jean Grey. Get rid of the adamantium claws. Yeah, what's with the guy with the claws? I. What is it? Wolverine? Is it Wolverine? I, I just. I, I believe that's how it's pronounced. Yes. What? Can we lose him? Because he's a little too badass cool and, like, awesome. Or bare minimum, can we shave the sideburns? Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, get fucked, all you studios. She is literally, I would say, 99% of why I love this movie is because Hit Girl's in it. That's a little high. Yeah, maybe that's high. Because you're not leaving enough percents in there, first of all, for Big Daddy, Nick Cage. Ten for him. You're Ten gonna, for the director. Yeah, I was gonna say the the unique action scenes, and then 80. I mean, obviously, you're gonna have to leave a percent or two in there for uh, Dave Lazuski's love interest. Yeah, she's very attractive. Yeah. Did we look up her age so we're safe? I don't think we have to worry about that. I'm pretty sure this is a uh, someone in their 20s playing a high school person. Yeah, situation. It feels like that, but let's just. Double I think check. this is a show that you never watched, but. I'm familiar with her because she plays Ted Mosby's daughter. Oh. How I Met Your Mother, that at the beginning of the episodes when he's telling his kids oh, stories. Oh, yeah. That's who he's telling it to. And who's the voice of that? Who's the voice of Ted Mosby there? Isn't he super famous? Yeah, it's Bob Saget. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Saget just being the older voice of an actor who could have just done the voiceover himself. Oh, dude, we're totally in the clear. Easiest paycheck ever. She's literally born the same year as us, 87. Yeah, we're we're so clear. So clear. Um, Dude, that just makes me feel like we have a shot. We're the same age as her? Game on, kids. Second fun fact is that this was the second most pirated film of 2010. 11.5. Four million downloads. That's money not in Matthew Vaughn, the director's pocket. Do you know what number one was? The only movie that beat it out for most pirated movie of 2010. I'm just going off of movies I think it came in came out in 2010. Would it have been Social Network? Incorrect. Um Dark Knight? Something like that? No. That was a- number one, Avatar. Mm. Number two, Kick Ass. Number three. Inception. Uh, that's I was I was like, there's probably a Christopher yeah. Nolan one there. Mm-hmm. Crazy stuff, dude. That's a kind of thing that would just be so frustrating if you're a director, where you're just like, wow, eleven point yeah, four times gonna, twenty dollars. I was gonna make fun of you for cherry picking the stat of second most pirated movie. Like, okay, <laughs> but I do feel like 2010 was the absolute heyday of pirating movies. Oh yeah, because you couldn't really just stream them somewhere yet. And it's not like you're always going to go to get Redbox. That was Redbox heyday, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, makes sense. Are you ready for a player breakdown? So ready. Kick-ass. Let's start with Aaron Taylor Johnson, a.k.a. Dave, a.k.a. Kick-ass. A.k.a. one of the love triangle from Savages. 
That was literally the only thing I wrote down. <laughs> I actually I do have a fun one fun fact about him outside of that, but let's just get into the most pressing thing, which is I'm pretty sure the only thing that these two podcasters sitting in this podcast studio have ever seen him in outside of Kickass, correct me if I'm wrong, is Savages. Uh he was in that actually halfway decent but just had an unreal trailer godzilla movie oh yeah i was just thinking about that because he's brian cranston's son right yeah but that he's so small in that movie yeah but he had he had a a moment there where he was like gonna maybe be a guy i like him i wish he was in more movies i'm surprised he wasn't bigger um do you know he's british yeah i had no idea yeah also i feel like because we're about to get into the savages thing yeah that movie must have just been poison, just taking him and Taylor Kitsch down. Dude, it took three ex-teen drama heartthrobs that are close and dear to our hearts. Fucking Tim Riggins. I know you didn't watch Gossip Girl, but Blake Lively is like the Marissa Cooper of Gossip Girl. She's the main girl. And then this guy, who we're just going to say is a teen heartthrob because he played a teen in Kick-Ass, which is an awesome movie. Explain what Savages was. The three of them, well, mainly the two guys, but they have a pretty low-level, harmless weed-dealing business where they're just living the life on the beach and just sharing a girlfriend. Having three ways. Who is Blake Lively, and they're cool with it for whatever reason. They're all cool with it. And then some shit happens, and that's all I remember. Yeah. That's... Yeah. I saw it in theater, and I can't tell you one other thing outside yeah, of that. Other I saw than, it in theater, too. I'm pretty sure with you because the no. trailer looked unreal. No, no, we didn't see it together. I have a story about how I saw it. Um, saw it completely by myself because it was in... I could have been there. No, it was in this weird window where I was working my first job out of college, and I only had like three hours of actual work. I remember this phase of your life very yeah. well. and. But I was still living at home because it was like right after college. I didn't have my own place yet. So I couldn't go home at like noon every day because my mom would be like, what the fuck? What's up? What's happening here? So a lot of times I would just go to a fucking movie by myself. The first showing was usually at like 11 a.m. each day. And I went and saw Savages and was just confused the whole time I was in the theater by myself. It was such a letdown. such a letdown it is so bad i just i i couldn't get past the fact that these three people were just all having a three-way with each other and so cool with it like because it was a very woke thing to do when before everyone was doing woke stuff you know it was just an i feel like the movie couldn't decide if it was about that or about whatever somebody got i think blake lively got kidnapped and they had to go save her from a drug cartel or some Mm -hmm. bullshit and it couldn't decide if it was about that or about the fact that they were poly or whatever. It was just, it was, it was <clears> bad. <throat> so I've got a very important question for you. Mm. Worst theater experience, Savages or Miami Vice? Or Last Airbender? No. <laughs> um, Last Airbender, we were, we just got blacked out drunk, so it wasn't bad. We took our shirts off in the theater. Don't know why. Because it was that bad. bad. I would say for me, I'm going to probably go with Savages because I was by myself. 
Like at least Miami Vice, we had a bunch of people with us. That's fair. And I I lump them together because they were both movies that I saw the trailer for and was like, oh, that's going to be fucking sweet. Oh, my God. The trailer for Miami Vice was one of the top 10 trailers I've ever seen. Ever. Right. And so, therefore, I was even more disappointed in the theater. But overall... Miami Vice is definitely better than Savages. No, Savages, yeah. It's it's unwatchable. Um, okay. Only fun fact on him. That's a real fun fact. So the writer slash creator of all of the kick-ass comic books, bold move by him. He auctioned off the name of the lead character in his like four graphic novels to a charity and, and just... If you bid the most money, you got to name the the lead character, which I thought was crazy. For the main character? Because yeah. <laughs> in my head, I was thinking, imagine that for X-Men. If like, what's his real name? Wolverine's real name? I'm Logan? blanking. Logan? What if it was just like... Leave that in. The, leave it. The guy just goes like... The guy who wrote it's like, you know what? I have this power name like Logan, but fuck it. I'm just going to leave it up to some guy who wins a charity. And he names like Logan like stevie so the dave lazuski part yeah i feel like here i'm gonna say this i don't think it was a risk because i think the guy knew it works better if he has a like just the lamest name ever yeah the worst case scenario is actually kind of best case scenario yeah yeah like if he came in and he was like a chad stevens that's worse that's worse yeah because it's worse. actually a cool name so chad, yeah i mean there's nothing cooler than being named chad stevens i know um dave Lazuski was the name of the guy. He's just like, yeah, name him me. I, that's what I thought it was. I thought <laughs> yeah. that was when you're telling the story. I was like, so Dave Lazuski won. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, I just thought it was interesting. Okay, next one, Hit Girl, the number one character in this movie, Chloe Grace Moretz. Like we already said, biggest badass. She's what ten, and she kicks more ass than I've ever seen. Yeah. I know she was in Amityville Horror with um, my shoe brother, Ryan Reynolds. I know that she was in Carrie, which is like a remake of that horror movie. She's done some stuff. But the main thing I remember from is in 500 Days of Summer, she's the younger sister. The precocious sister who's always given JGL love advice. Which, by the way, is like my biggest nitpick in any movie where the director or writer decides that, you know what, let's just have a really young child who's the smartest person in the room. I hate that kid in every movie. Um, But yeah, dude, I just wanted her to do more of like this shit. Like, why was she never a superhero or something like, or like what Angelina Jolie did with like movies like salt or whatever, where she's just kicking ass the whole time. Hannah or Hannah. Yeah. God, she would have been perfect in Hannah. Fuck. All I kept thinking while we were watching this movie and her unreal action scenes was I'm going to give, Matthew Vaughn and her credit for John Wick. Oh yeah. Like she was she was John Wick before John Wick. You know what she's also kind of like is that Christian Bale movie before there was any of this, Equilibrium. Did you ever see that? Yeah, but that one actually is like kind of superpowery. Oh, I thought he's just a guy with guns who just like kills. There's something it's some futuristic thing and he's I think I think there's a little bit of sci-fi to that one. He does it's like kung fu but instead of like hitting people with your hands, you're using all that motion to shoot guns. It's like, yeah, really there's something weird. like that too. It's some training, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last 
big one that I want to do. And then obviously there's like the villains and stuff. But the last like big one is obviously Nick Cage. Full disclosure. Um, when I texted you that I wanted to do this movie, it's because I was trying to figure out a, I was trying to figure out a Nick Cage movie that could also qualify as a teen drama. This is it. This yeah. is the one. This is totally it. He's essentially just playing Batman with a Fu Manchu. Actually, he's playing Batman with just a wispy, thin mustache and then fake sides <laughs> yeah. of the Fu Manchu that he glues on as part of his costume. Yeah. What an, I guarantee he just made that creative decision on his own, dude, when he was method. He made a lot of creative decisions for this movie, and I loved all of them. Should, can we say that this is Nick Cage's best role ever? I feel comfortable saying it's his best role of the last 20 years. Oh, yeah. Hands down. That's not even a question. Maybe The Weatherman, but I'm partial to that. That was 2014. So we we did I we did a big breakdown on him on Fast Times at Ridgemont High, but I just want to give two specific fun facts on Nick Cage for just this movie, not his whole career. First one, he decided, he made the creative Nick Cage decision to mimic the voice when he's in the big daddy aka batman with fu manchu costume he mimicked adam west's 1960s mm. batman versus the christian bale one i'm gonna put a couple of clips in first of adam west and then nick cage as big daddy pretty fishy what happened to me on that ladder that exploding shark was pulling my leg I don't know, but I think I know where to find a clue. See, we like you, but we don't trust you. I rerouted your IP address. Finding you was way too easy. His cadence is for sure was, yeah. exactly the same. Yeah, no, I, it's very distinctive, and I wouldn't have pulled that because I'm not super familiar with the Adam West Batmans. I've heard it and now that you say that it totally makes sense but it's it was such a choice. Like it's oh you're yeah. watching it you can't yeah. help but like notice his cadence, like vocal mannerisms, especially the way he says child. Yeah, so that's what's weird is when he's in the costume, he's doing the Adam West where it's like a cadence of like hello. What are you doing here? It's time to fight crime. That's like the Adam West in the costume. Then when he's out of costume, he does what you just said, where he plays like a creepy (laughs) child. Yeah. I'll put a little something in there so you can get a taste. Oh, child. You always knock me for a loop. Now, the reason I think he did that was because leading to my second fun fact, the backstory in this movie was like one of the big zags that the movie made over the comics Mm. between Nick Cage and his daughter, Hit Girl. So what really happens in the comics was he was an accountant who was bored with his life and kidnapped his daughter and made her into a vigilante. So it's not his real daughter. Many fans preferred the film version. Yeah, I do too. Including the creator of the comics who said it would have messed up the structure of the movie to have him like a guy who just kidnaps little girls and turns them into little Batman. Yeah, that that makes him completely a bad guy. Yes. So 
I think that's why to, to that voice you just did. I feel like that was Nick Cage that's, going that's method. Little, that's a little carryover from him reading the comics. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, I'm, 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 I'm a kidnapper, kind of a, a serial killer. So, <laughs> guess I should talk talk like somebody who kidnaps kids. Yeah, amazing, dude. Nick Cage just pulling out all the stops. Uh, last two, I they're not small, but I just don't really. They're the villains, so we won't spend much time on them unless you have anything on them as characters but it's uh mclovin <laughs> he plays uh the red mist and then his dad mark strong who has the greatest voice yeah mark strong is just he's, he's awesome in everything he's yeah. in and he's such a good bad guy when he's cast as a bad guy oh uh, he's like a character actor villain that's like if i had to go hey i'm casting for a movie Who's very, in, very high on the list. Oh, yeah. He'd be like yeah. number one for sure. Great, great voice. Evil voice. Any other thoughts on them or do you want to get into the movie? No, I don't have anything on the bad guys. The only other like character notes just in general. A, Big Daddy is such a creepy fucking superhero name. <laughs> and that makes so much more sense now that mm-hmm. in the story it comes from yeah he is a yeah. super super creepy dude oh and also going back to aaron Ta- so we we got a little bit tied up in the later portion of aaron taylor johnson's career when he got locked into savages but for this movie he was perfectly cast mm-hmm. he at this point in his career he looks like 17 and more importantly his voice yeah he sounds like he's 17 uh, and like yeah. he has like almost cracking voice all the time yeah and it's such a like it's something you don't get in so many shows and movies that have somebody playing a 17 year old like no it's so believable he's such a believable 17 year old yeah the uh genuine voice crack that he did about 10 different times throughout this movie was like fucking perfect for anytime he fucked up or just sucked made it more perfect and i think back to like what you were saying about his name being just dave lewis whatever like that's everything that was him not being some big badass superhero just made complete sense yeah and yes him as an actor so we got sidetracked we got sidetracked with savages but thought i should throw that in there yeah perfectly cast yeah we were nitpicking but honestly like we were saying when we were watching this movie I didn't know who to give my MCITW to. I struggled to give nominees for my Ryan Phillippe practice year award, which I hate. I hate when I struggle with those because everything was so well done. That's why the MCITW had to go to the fucking critics. Cause I just, I, I, as I was watching this, I'm just like, what, what's the mistakes? So well cast. So well cast. So well director. Where's the flaws. And then on the other characters, the only ones you skipped over at all would be, we talked about the girlfriend yeah. character, the love interest character, and then his two friends, Todd. Marty and Todd. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All small characters. We'll probably get back to this as we go through the movie breakdown, which we're going to transition with a little kick-ass theme music. I love it, dude. It's like they. I love a great foundational score to a movie. Anytime you think of 
like Avatar's got one, like all the all the great say, movies. I feel like there's two two kinds. There's ones that like stand out and mm-hmm. stick in your head, and there's ones that just kind of like fit into the movie. And that's this one's that second kind. It's yeah. just like a good like piece of the movie that kind of glue glues it all together. Yeah, what's that one that's like um oh uh, 2001 a space odyssey that one is like you you hear that and it's like i know exactly what that's from right i don't really know how that fits space so it would it be in your now. first category but it yeah this one's the flip side where it's like that just like was the perfect superhero movie if you heard it you wouldn't know oh yeah that's the music from kick-ass you just be like it, it wouldn't make sense but during the movie it's perfect yeah um Dude, great opening scene to set the tone for this movie. Here it is. I mean, all those comic books, movies, TV shows. You'd think the one eccentric loner would have made himself a costume. I mean, is everyday life really so exciting? Are schools and offices so thrilling that I'm the only one who ever fantasized about this? Come on, be honest with yourself. At some point in our lives, We all want to be a superhero. That's not me, by the way. That's some Armenian guy with a history of mental health problems. Who am I? I'm kick-ass. I just like it because it sets the tone of like, this is not a superhero movie. So like the first scene, there's narrating going on in the background. There's a guy standing on the ledge of a building and he's got like a cape on or wings or something. And it looks like he's about to jump off. It's all like epic looking. And then the, like the music starts to crescendo and he like jumps off and there's narrating. People start clapping on the street. <laughs> yeah. And then he just fucking hits a car and dies. And it's like, oh, yeah, that is what would happen if some psychopath went up on top of the building and jumped Try off. To make some homemade wings and jump <laughs> off a building. Yeah. Trying to be Batman like a dumbass. So I loved it. It set the tone. And that is where I brought back the earlier point was that's where I wrote down the note. This reminds me of the boys because like they set the tone so early and often of like yes this is about superheroes but it's not well they do a lot of um like meta calling out of stuff throughout the movie too there's a scene very early on where dave wazuski's sitting with his friends and he's saying like how come nobody's ever tried to be a superhero like you think Mm -hmm. with all the millions of people in the world and all the people that are huge comic book fans like somebody would try it i'm not saying it'd be a good idea to try it but somebody would try it and I feel like it, it does a lot of that throughout where it's just like, we're not going to be too cute about what we're doing here. Like we know this isn't the most original idea. We're just having fun with it. Yeah. And it just gives you a taste of like, realistically, this is probably how 90% of trying to be a superhero would go. And and <laughs> yeah. in that same conversation also, they, they call out like, it's not quote unquote superhero because there's no superpowers. It's yeah. just like, uh, Batman, if he didn't have a bunch of money and a bunch of sweet skills, yeah, it's just a a guy in an outfit, yeah, being a vigilante. So, at this point in the movie, we got to get introduced to all the characters. So we meet Hit Girl and Nick Cage, and he's out 
just like at this abandoned whatever they're at this just abandoned like, place yeah, concrete area and somewhere parking he's lot. just shooting her in the chest <laughs> with a gun because she, she's got he's like you got to get used to wearing like getting shot with a bulletproof vest so you know like how that feels and again a perfect way to introduce two characters you have dave who's like such a fucking idiot dunce fucking whatever he sucks and then you get hit girl and nick cage and it's him shooting her his daughter in the chest with a gun and it just reminded me of i can only remember one time in my life where my dad was like trying to get me ready for like something bad that could happen so i don't fear it did it involve shooting you in the chest with a gun no it involved i guess i at a young age of like nine or ten in basketball i was scared like when i would steal the ball from like the guard on the other team and I would go down for a layup. I was, I would get like scared of like the feet chasing me from behind. Like they were going to foul me or something really hard. You thought you were going to get like LeBron chased down. Yeah. Blocked. Yeah. Except like just fouled really hard, I guess. And so what my dad did was took me to funky dunks. Do you remember funky dunks? Was this a West side thing? <laughs> Maybe it's just some like Chuck E. Cheese esque place. It had games uh, like Dave and Buster's. And then they also had like, you could get pizza and indoor basketball courts set up in there. And I remember my dad took me to funky dunks, took me out onto the basketball court. And he's like, all right, we're going to do like 25. Your run, you get the ball. I'm going to give you the ball at half court. You run down and do a lap and I'm going to run behind you and just scream in your ear. So you don't fear people behind you basketball and i gotta say totally fucking worked i gotta say (laughs) he could not have picked a worse place to do that could you imagine being in funky dunks whatever this i know i'm thinking back on it now like just seeing west side like imagine that now and just watching some dad running behind his kid yelling at him for 25 straight laps uh it's just so funny to think about it's so fucking funny. Anyways, he yeah. Should've, he should have just put a bulletproof vest on you and shot you while you did layups. Yeah, dude. Um, but that's the only way I could relate to just getting shot from my dad. But, okay. So now we've established the main kid who's fucking trying to be a superhero and stuff like an idiot. And then two people who actually are kind of real superheroes. Nick Cage and his daughter. Fucking Dave... He's just failing miserably. He's he, I wrote down he got stabbed, hit by a car, and almost killed by a bunch of drug dealers when he's just like left to his own devices of trying to be a superhero. Yeah, that's the very first thing that happens when he goes out. That's how his superhero career starts. Again, just pretty solid in terms of not making him like good at any of it. He's just yeah. a, a loser kid. That's how it would go. If you yeah. went out there with just a couple like police batons... And we're like, I'm going to fight crime. You just get stabbed or shot and killed. So it made sense. Now, so after that, he then goes to the aforementioned drug dealer's house because he's like, all right, I'm all better. I'm healed from my stab wounds and my fucking getting hit by a car. So now I'm going to go to this drug dealer's house. That also goes horribly. But this time, this is where we get all the characters meet up. Hit girl saves the fucking day. And she does that. 
with this song playing. Okay, you cunts. Let's see what you can do now. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. FYI, we are going to totally steal a rewatchable bit tonight and do what the most rewatchable scene is from this movie because there are so many just scenes that are tip top. Tip top action scenes. Tip top action scenes. And this is the first one that's going to be on that nominee list because she just comes in with this big long stick with two knives on each end and just kills like five fucking dudes. And it's fucking amazing. Yeah, we're discussing this. We're trying to figure out if there's a name for that weapon. I don't think that is that there is, but it's an awesome weapon. It's got the blades on both sides. It's like a sword on both sides, but also a spear. And then also she does this towards the end of the scene. You can break it in half and turn mm-hmm. it into like two small swords. Yeah. That's a fucking great weapon. Dude. You can do a lot with that weapon. She kicks so much ass. But that's the moment. That that fight scene is when you're like Okay, this isn't just like a fun, funny superhero comedy, basically. This guy actually is going to give us some sweet action. Mm -hmm. It takes the whole movie up a total another level. Yeah, honestly, I remember the first time I was watching it, I was like, okay, I saw all this sweet shit in the trailer. What's up? Because now we're 37 minutes into this movie, and I'm just watching this guy who sucks ass get his ass beat constantly. But like, where's the good stuff? And then, yeah, she came in and it was like, oh, fuck. I guess it's just going to all come from this 10 year old. OK. And it's going to be and it's going to be fucking sweet. So sweet, dude. I was trying to figure out, did it look like she had a stunt double or because honestly, it seemed like it was her. And I, she's just like a gymnast. I had the same thought like it. If she did they did a really good job of disguising it because it definitely seemed like she was doing her in stunts. I think she was doing a lot of it, dude. Yeah, but she th- was doing a lot of it for sure. I think that's just part of like being 10. You're just so <laughs> fucking like, I can do a, I can do all that shit. Yeah, fuck it. I'd do it. Do a yeah. little somersault action. She's She was older by the end of the show, but it was reminding me of uh, Arya Stark. Oh yeah, was able to do a lot of that shit too. Yeah, did you ever see that video of her with that final knife scene? Yeah, like practicing that. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. That was pretty sweet. And then just so you can get a taste of what Hit Girl's personality is like, after she saves the day and everything, uh, Dave is asking like, "Oh, how do I get a hold of you guys? Like, what's up? What do I do? email? Do I call? Like, what's up? How do I get a hold of you guys?" And then she says, "This. You just contact the mayor's office. He has a special signal that shines in the sky." It's in the shape of a giant cock. <laughs> I was I, loving that. I was, I, loving I was actually going to start off the pod when we were talking about uh, how if anyone ever is getting close to me in terms of appearances, I was going to say, if anyone's getting close to me, just put up a big light in this guy in the oh, shape of a cock. Damn, you should have said that. People wouldn't have gotten oh, it yet because yeah. he hadn't gotten there. So I'm making my funny joke now <laughs> only cool people yeah only cool people really know what this movie's all about okay so should we explain the whole frank d'amico element of why there's beef just a level set he, frank d'amico framed him for dealing drugs because he wouldn't take a payoff when he was a cop mm-hmm. and so he had to go to jail while he was in jail 
his wife was pregnant. This is Nick Cage you're yeah, referring Nick Cage, to. Nick yeah. Cage's wife was pregnant with Hit Girl and overdosed on pills because she was depressed. And then Hit Girl was born while while he was in jail. And then his buddy, who was a cop, raised her for five years while he was still in jail. And then he came out of jail and started brainwashing her to be an assassin to help him take down Frank D'Amico. And that's their whole thing. I wonder what it is in the comics. Because that's the part where it really deviates from the comics. It sound, Again, I didn't do any research on this. and But from what you are saying before about how he's a bored accountant who's actually a total fucking creep and possible serial killer who kidnaps kids. that He just hates the crime he's, family? He's, he's bored with his life and he's like a Dexter-style serial killer. Yeah, and so he's like, all right, yeah. I'll kidnap this kid, trainer, and then I'll go. He's, I'm just going to go after the biggest he's crime. He's basically Dexter with an, like, honestly, even creepier twist. Yeah, yeah. He's kidnapping kids. Yeah. So after this, Frank D'Amico is having a tough time getting Big Daddy, a.k.a. Nick Cage, and Kick-Ass. He's having a hard time like finding them and getting them because they're fucking up all of his shit. So his son, McLovin, comes in. And he's like, dude, I got a plan. I'm going to dress up like this superhero red mist and I'll lure the real superheroes in by connecting to the dumbass kickass. And he does it. Yeah. He, he sucks him in. Realize, they realize it's not, he's not the yeah. actual badass and they use him to get to the real badasses. Yep. Yep. And now is the point where we should get into a little Ryan Phillippe. It's easy to sum it up when you just talk about practice. We sitting here, we in here talking about practice. We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. We talking about practice, man. Practice? I mean, how silly is that? Ryan Phillippe, Practice Hero Award of the Week. And this one was tough, dude. This was really tough. I I was like scrounging to find people. There was one guy I fucking, I thought was doing way too much. And so I'll let you make the decision. But for me, (laughs) I was thinking it was this first guy and it's Dave's fucking friend, Marty, AKA the kid from hot tub time machine. And I don't even know what else he's in. He was way too confident for a nerd. He's in late season office guy. Oh yeah, that's right. I, I just, he was acting the whole time like he knew women inside and out. And he and he was like so much better than his two nerd friends and everything. And he's always like condescending and talking down to them. And I'm just like, hey, fat idiot. Who the fuck are you? Like, why are you so confident, guy? I guarantee you have gotten way less pussy than your two friends in your life. And you're not funny. You look like an idiot. You sound like an idiot always. You get like, what's up? So he's first on the list. Dave's friend, Marty. I just threw two other ones in there. The reason I put a transitioned off of McLovin is because I put McLovin in there. I don't feel good about it. Like I said, I was scrounging, but I just put him in there because I feel like in any movie McLovin's in, he's doing a lot. Like he's just doing they're, a lot. They're really playing, playing into his, his physical look all the, in every movie he's in. Yeah. I honestly feel like they have him play McLovin in every movie he's That's in. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's like he did that in Superbad. Which and he was cast in Superbad. He wasn't an actor before that really as because he looked the part. Yeah. 
And then the third one, his Frank D'Amico's number two guy, who uh, has he's, he's like a henchman, a lot of mafia stuff. I think. Yeah, yeah the guy that he's a that guy. He put, he's a that guy, and he put yeah. uh, one of the when he was trying to like interrogate someone, he put them in the microwave, and that guy's head exploded. I just put him on there because he was annoying the shit out of me too. So those three, to me, it's an easy choice on this one. What say you? So I'm not surprised about your feelings about Marty. Mm-hmm. It's what I would assume you would feel. It didn't bug me, and I also thought that you they know I hate confident it. nerds. I do. I do know that about you. <laughs> I think they explained it well because at the big, not huge loser buddies, they just weren't cool guys. And of their little trio, Dave wasn't even the funny one. Is what they said. It was supposed to be like Marty was uh, was like the funny one of their little. Marty's trio. the funny one. I thought Todd was hilarious. Todd yeah. crushed. Yeah, I think we're supposed to be laughing at Todd, though. But Marty's the one who's, like, always giving the other two shit in their friend group. Yeah. And it's like, that, you know, that works in terms of this is the last person you would ever expect to be a superhero is Dave Lazuski. So, if I'm giving it out, mm-hmm. I'm not giving it to Marty. I'm giving it to McLovin specifically as Red Mist. Yeah. The costume oh, just is just so bad. And the the car, the whole being in the car thing is a lot. It was, there was one thing where I was like, all right, this is, this is not working for me. This is too much. You know who ran the same problem is there was a stretch, I want to say three or four years, where Stifler from American Pie was... He was just Stifler? He was just Stifler in every role. Well, that's another guy. He wasn't really... He was. I think he was like... This is how Chris Pratt's career started too, but I think he was like a waiter. Yeah, some producer yeah. who was like had him as a waiter and was like, "I've got a little part for you in the thing," and then he just became it just blew Stifler. up. Like yeah. I don't think, St- yeah, Stifler was so, not supposed so, to become yeah, that big. Stifler and McLovin both are just like, "Hey, you, you are, you are this guy that I've got this part for," and then it worked so well because they were that guy, and so now they've got a career just off of being that guy, which is just weird because it just shows. I, I don't know if we're gonna want to throw stones, but. Stifler is a horrible actor. I can say that with confidence. Any movie I saw him in, essentially playing Stifler, but not in American Pies, like all those, the movie with The Rock, and he did uh, fucking that Woodcock movie. He's garbage. He's so good in role models, though. With ironically, with yeah, McLovin. ironically, you got Stifler playing <laughs> as Stifler in role models, and then you have McLovin playing McLovin. So that's where it all came together. Yeah, I'm I'm good giving the Infinity it, Gauntlet. I'm glad we disagreed because it it showed me that maybe I wasn't scrounging. If we are gonna, if you gave it to someone other than me, maybe there were some solid Ryan Phillippe Practice Hero Award candidates in this movie. Red Mist. Red Mist gets it. All right. Fast forward to Kick Ass. He falls for it with fucking Red Mist. His plan is to lure Big Daddy and Hit Girl by using their friend kick-ass and he does that because fucking kick-ass is a dumbass he catfishes him through his myspace page exactly they get kidnapped nick cage and kick-ass are captured in like just like a warehouse warehouse. or whatever and they're like hey fuck kick-ass now we're gonna show that he's fucking done and we're gonna upload this live streaming video of the all of our henchmen frank d'amico's henchmen killing fucking big daddy nick cage and kick ass on this video to rewind when they because before when they kidnap him 
it's red mist busting the door and the first thing he does is shoot hit girl who's sitting on a windowsill and she falls backwards out the window so that's Mm -hmm. why they don't kidnap her right they think she's dead so and also full circle on the training to get shot by a gun thing nice job nick cage yeah and then it leads to one of the other scenes that's going to be on our most rewatchable scene list which is they're captured fucking hit girl comes in kills the lights song time First thing she does is snipe the third guy, the main henchman, third guy on your Philippi Award list, which is notable because he he had just doused both Kick-Ass and Big Daddy Nick Cage in gasoline and was holding a lighter about to burn them alive, which mm-hmm. is pretty hardcore. And she snipes his head right off. And snipes then it. this is when Matthew Vaughn takes it up a whole nother level to again where you're already like oh like this is going to be a sweet action movie he starts bringing in some shit you've never seen before i think this was if not the first the first i can remember and definitely the best executed example of somebody doing the first person shooter camera angle from video games yeah from a video game where you're it's a night that she's hit the lights so you've got a night vision goggle view of what hit girl's seeing with her hands in front like holding the gun and it's fucking awesome it's amazing it's so amazing yeah it's like that james bond goldeneye game where you just see the gun and it's fucking we were talking about when we were watching it the only lighting is like strobe lights so yeah at this point it's there's like ambient lighting from like a couple things things are on fire and then it switches to that which is actually my favorite part of it which is the she puts a strobe light on her gun so that like it's disorienting the henchman they can't really see her and they're like blinding their it's blinding their eyes and she's just taking them out one by one because they can't see what's going on and besides being a super effective thing that was like you buy like oh yeah that's a way somebody could take out a building full of people it also makes it a really cool way to shoot it and like light like one action sequence at a time you're not worried about what everyone else is doing i would say this honestly the way that it was done dude with the lighting it was just like a a fucking tour de force of directing with switching from the camera angles of night vision and then the only lighting that you're getting besides the strobe light too is gunfire light and then the firelight that's yeah, the only actually, lighting the, you're that, getting they actually do light big daddy on fire yeah and so the light the light from him literally being on fire yeah. is lighting the scene it's it, so cool it was just like the it was a perfectly done scene and then it ends with she's killed everyone she's killed like 10 fucking dudes put out the fire on her dad and then she looks at the fucking camera that's live streaming this shit on myspace and says this shows over motherfuckers oh my god and then shoots the camera it's just like okay now while we're jacked up on this scene this is the time that we should just steal from the rewatchables because I have four scenes written down here, including that one we just discussed, that we should have a very robust dialogue about which is the best. Because, again, 
these four scenes are so amazing that I have to. Like, if this movie's ever on and I know that I'm within 10, 15 minutes of any one of these four scenes. Yeah, you're going to watch them all. Just yeah. fucking stick yeah. around and watch them. Okay. First one. We already talked about it. Hit girl killing all the drug dealers with that sweet long stick with the knives on the end of it. And that music playing. That's one. Two. We didn't talk about this. Nick Cage killing all of D'Amico's men. And it's video camera just in that little secret video camera. Yeah, it's, on, it's on a nanny cam and a bear. But yeah. when you when we see it, it starts from the nanny cam and it comes out of the nanny cam and you get to watch the whole thing. And then it kind of comes back into the nanny cam at the end. Also awesome. Yes. Directing. Great editing, directing. So that Nick Cage kill scene. And then <laughs> I just realized three of these are all hit girl, like massive yeah. kill scenes. Um, that night vision scene we just talked about amazing and then the the last one is that fucking scene where she kills like 15 dudes in the hallway at the end of the movie it starts out she's got a fucking knife now on a a string and she's just like throwing the string it retracts back she throws it again and then she transitions out of that into killing dudes into just like mm, like 10 10 gun kills i think i think that is the one the last one is the one that actually that's the scene that invented john wick i think the close-up gunfight it, like they did it before john wick did it hold on should i play how they start that scene off while you're describing it do you mean the remix of the intro to kryptonite yes cover, please fucking amazing fucking amazing dude they just fuck that okay so i'm just gonna tell you while you're thinking of what your most rewatchable is i'm gonna tell you for me this podcaster it's this scene that music's playing she does a fucking double gun reload with no hands i've only seen it done in one other movie and that's underworld unreal and then dude the knife on the string thing that I already mentioned. She kills like 30 dudes. I'm going to choose this scene. It's respectable, but I have to completely disagree. You, Which one are you going with? I'm going with the one in the warehouse while... Night vision? Yeah. It yeah. goes night vision into strobe light. They, that one, I, I remember the first time I watched just being like, what the fuck? I've never seen anything like this. This is incredible. Great scene. And it's so it, good. And it had the like the tension of Nick Cage being literally on fire. Yeah, is he's just like manically he, he's, yelling he, shit. Yeah, he, he's giving her an assist of like do this, do that, like helping her figure out how to kill all these bad guys and maybe save them. Even though fairly early on, you probably realize it's not going to happen because he's on fire. Yeah, he's so being they, burned to death. Yeah. So you know, but 
no, I, I, if you're talking about which one am I definitely going to sit around and wait for, it's that one. <sighs> Those two scenes, dude, honestly, I, I think of the four and they're all four amazing scenes. I think of the four, those are definitely the top two. I think the biggest nitpick for me on that fourth scene was that they transitioned out of Kryptonite by Three Doors Down into like a teen angst song. And I know why they did it. Like they did it. They played that music similarly in that first scene where she's killing all the drug dealers. I get it. She's like a kid and I'm with it. But God, I just kept thinking if they just let that three doors down kryptonite song breathe. If I go crazy. <laughs> yeah, just let it breathe while she's killing all 15 of those guys in yeah. that hallway. Like, God, would that have been I sweet. I definitely would have stuck with it. But also <sighs> just because I'll, I'll listen to that song anytime. It's so good. Um, so after she kills, I th- by the way, I saw the total body count in this movie when I was looking up fun facts. 59. She, kill- she kills 59 or... The body count is 59. It just said total body count. So 59 actors, dude, were killed. 59 actors were killed in the making of this movie. You can't make an omelet without breaking a couple eggs. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. So she kills probably 30 of those 59 guys herself in this one scene. And now we just have mano imano battles. Hit girl is taking on Frank D'Amico because there's no way that fucking Kick-Ass is about to do it. He's a little bitch. So Kick-Ass has to fight Red Mist, a.k.a. McLovin. We loved it because when we were watching these final battles, we were like, perfect. McLovin, who's fighting Red Mist, they just knock each other out like 30 seconds into the fight, and they're just both down. And so the whole time (laughs) that... Hit girl, who's a real superhero badass, is fighting a real criminal like badass. They're doing all the fighting. Red Mist and um, Kickass are just down, not even doing anything. Yeah, they they really don't miss an opportunity to be like, yeah, Dave Dave Lazuski is just really a little bitch. Yeah. So they defeat him. It's a lot of cool shit. I mean, Kickass comes into the final battle. On a jetpack that's retrofitted with some Gatling guns. Yeah. And he comes in, he, he saves Hit Girl from getting blown up by an actual bazooka. Yes. With while he's on. So that's where it that, that's probably where it's at peak wildness mm-hmm. for the movie is a jetpack fitted with Gatling guns defeating a bazooka. I think that makes sense though. I mean that adds up. A gat the jetpack part doesn't, but I feel like a Gatling gun is like a Velociraptor and a bazooka is like a T Rex. Well you're gonna need a couple of them then. Yeah, he had two. He did have two. So we're going two Velociraptors versus a bazooka T Rex. I just feel like the Velociraptors win. They're so fast, they're they're quick, they're a lot of tiny cuts that hurt really bad. Versus just like one big bite. Well, the Velociraptors are definitely going to win if they've got a jetpack. So. Yeah, exactly. And these Velociraptors are fucking airborne. <laughs> They're getting airborne. So, and and if you were wondering yeah. if they addressed the acquisition of the jetpack, they do. Which is Hit Girl is looking on this unnamed website of some sort. <laughs> they don't tell you what she's looking at, and she says that she she gets real excited because she found the item and says, "But it's three hundred thousand dollars." 
and uh, hilarious Nick Cage yeah. moment where he comes around and goes, is there anything else you'd rather spend it on, basically? And sees it and tells her, add to cart. <laughs> yeah. It, and, and we were joking during the movie that it was an awesome meta moment where you're just thinking about how, how many jetpacks uh, Nick Cage probably bought online in real life as part of so going many. broke. <laughs> so many. Yeah, Nick Cage famously bankrupt as fuck because he I should I should have looked it up, but I think he owned like he owned, he 17 an island. houses he owned an island. island. For sure. Yeah. Pretty he, sure he had um John Merrick, the elephant man's bones. Yeah. Just buying up probably bought those on eBay too. So that's why he had to do all these bullshit like indie movies, like straight to video garbage movies because it was like he was so out of money he just mismanaged his money so bad so like you're saying they do these mono mono battles kick-ass does have some value because hit girl is like being defeated by frank d'amico she's like pinned by him and then she's he's about to like shoot her and kill her and then kick-ass wakes up and I guess the battle with McLovin is essentially who can just wake up from being passed out first and kick ass one. He woke up, came in, grabbed the bazooka and just fucking bazooka the shit out of Frank D'Amico. And so that's where his heart did end up saving Hit Girl, the real superhero. So whatever. Heart he helped. Superpower. He helped. He's like a little bitch from Captain Planet. Oh, God. The heart, heart. heart ring. Fucking. That guy was such a joke. But they should just say the planeteers. There's four planeteers and then one little bitch with a monkey who they just let hang out with them. I'm fucking p- pussy. <laughs> <laughs> one one little bitch with a monkey. Hart's such a little bitch. Even as a young kid watching Captain Planet, I was just like, why is Hart in this crew? Why is he in this crew? And Hart. <laughs> He's even like an add-on in the song. Yeah, fucking is. pussy. Um, okay, dude. There's no sense in doing what we think it would happen in the sequel because there was a Kick-Ass too, so no need. But I would like to officially get the MVP, and this MVP, as always, is brought to you by the fine fucking industry of Japanese denim. We love you, Japanese denim. Zerb is also a Japanese denim connoisseur. Proud, proud owner of at least five pairs of Japanese denim. Oh, yeah. Anyone who's on this podcast has to own at least five pairs of Japanese denim. Japanese denim. It's Japanese made. Podcaster approved. I bet uh, our MVP this week, Chloe Grace Moretz, I bet she's modeled some Japanese denim in her day. Oh, guaranteed. Yeah. She's had Japanese denim on her legs. No doubt about it. No doubt. But yeah, I mean, it's easy. She, yeah, she it's easy. steals the absolute shit out of this movie. Just like kind of a weird little comedy without her. Um, tempted to give Matthew Vaughn a shout out for the action sequences, but they work because Hit Girl pulls them off. And I would watch so many Hit Girl sequels. Oh, they should just they should just again I keep bringing up John Wick because I feel like John Wick was inspired by this movie. They should just hand the John Wick franchise off to Chloe Grace Moretz mm. and let her be Hit Girl as John Wick. Mhm. Yeah. Chloe Wick. Something. Chloe Grace Wick. 
Either way. Hitwick? Hitwick. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care, but do that. Do that exact fucking plan. Yeah, she's amazing, dude. Um, they, They did do that in the comics. So... You really, I feel like you would like the comics. You, I, I just had this feeling. That's why I assumed that fun fact that you had already read them because they looked like right up your alley. Like the whole, like there's only three parts or whatever, like just the, hit them and quit them. These graphic novels. Yeah. The only, I, I don't know why I haven't read more graphic novels in general. The only one I've ever have read is uh watchman, which is unreal. You never read the Frank Miller? No, I never did. The Dark Knight one? Shit, no. I even read that one. That one's wild because I I really think that was what they were... By the way, this is a totally tangent off topic, but I think that Frank Miller, Dark Knight one, that's what they were going to do with the sequel, or the, th- sorry, the third installment of Batman because in the, in the graphic would've. novel, it's all about... The Joker, he's in prison at the very beginning. A news crew comes in to interview him and he like he escapes somehow, like comes up with a plan to escape prison during the newsroom. And then the only thing they would have had to leave out is I'm pretty sure Superman comes in in the graphic novel and like helps in that universe, DC universe. But wouldn't be that hard to leave that out. Yeah, you could just leave that shit out. Speaking of Superman, dude, Smallville. Mm-hmm. I've been listening. I should I talk really, to you really... about this because you, both of us have shared the belief that fucking Superman is the worst superhero in history. Not interested. But this show, it kind of solves yeah, the no, issues. I'm I'm with Pat. Like I, I definitely watched it when it was actually happening. I didn't come anywhere close to seeing like every episode, even of the seasons I did watch, because that was back in the day where shows were designed where you could just watch. Like they had through storylines yeah, that went all season, yeah. but you could kind of figure that out and just have the villain of the week or whatever. But I remember watching that shit after school. Like it was good. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's, it's been interesting now to hear Pat's perspective. Cause like you back in the day when he was watching, he was just always wanting why like the Superman shit. And now when we're watching it, we're just wanting the teen drama and like yeah, the hookups. I, and even then, like I wasn't like super into it, but it was better than whatever else was on at, 4 30 yeah or whatever whatever time it was on yeah it's and not I, bad I didn't have cable growing up so when you take away the element of like the secret identity problem and then you take away the element of that he's oh they're too powerful yeah. and you just put these like kryptonite meteors everywhere everyone's getting infected and that's how they have all those one-off bad guys it does solve the issues and i'm just so shocked i'm shocked that like why has no one done that like in a movie form where they've just gone, you know what? I'm going to do an alternative take on Superman where I take the massive holes. Because this guy, the, the the likeness and the name of Superman is up there with Batman, Spider-Man, the biggest of names. Way bigger than fucking what Iron Man was and like some of these other ones that they've turned into like massive movies, Thor. And just be like, I'm going to make an alternative fix, take. Fix the biggest problems. Yeah. It, all of it makes sense that like it was the first one. It's like the first, if, if very you had, first. Yeah. If you had an idea to create a superhero and superheroes yeah. were already a thing, you would create Superman. Yes. Yeah. Cause I believe it was created like in the thirties or like, something. It's, yeah. It's the most 
basic version of it. Yeah. He's all powerful. There's no, sh- it's just, he's everything. Yeah. He's a superhero. He's got, First one. He's got it all. He's, he's the Superman. Yeah. And yes. so by like, it's very definition, it's going to get improved upon. Like, you, you have the first think. one. No, I mean, like, with other superheroes. Yeah. So, yeah. I feel like to, to do what you're talking about, you kind of just have to... Adapt. Like, well, adapt or just... You're basically just stealing the name and making a whole different story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what Tom Welling, the, the main guy, was always saying. Like, when he was approached, he was like, I don't want to fucking do this. Like, I don't want to fucking... On the CW and put a cape on and this stupid superhero where it's just like takes glasses off like and, and they that was their whole pitch to him is like no it's not like that you no. will never wear the suit you will never wear the cape you will never wear the suit I and he never did i haven't seen it yet because i never go to, i basically go to the theater like two or three times a year to see the movies i feel like you have to see in the theater anymore but a movie that i, I thought was pretty intriguing was bright i don't know if you saw it is that that Will Smith movie? No, no. That was terrible. That was called Bright too. Maybe that was maybe really I got bad. the name of this one wrong. I think it's called Bright, but it's oh uh it's oh Bright Burn is what it's called. Bright Burn. No, I haven't seen that. It's basically like a reverse take where the same start to Superman, like he lands with this family, this this couple that's trying to have a kid, and it's this alien thing. They're really, but he fucking turns. Oh, bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like like red kryptonite, Clark. <laughs> no, like actual, like what someone, like what a all powerful, but it, and it's just, he's like eight years old. It's, and it looks, it's the, in the trailer, theaters? No, it, no, it came out in like the summer, Oh, but it looks super creepy and like a super cool idea, like take on the. Super yeah. That's what I'm saying, dude. Just mix it up. Like change, change the shit that doesn't work and put your own spin on it. Fuck to tie it back to this movie. And then just like the boys, dude. You can take shit that's try that's been done a million times and just fucking change it up to make it super good, like Kick Ass. Hell yeah! Any other thoughts by you? Should we wrap it? Let's wrap it. I had a great time with these cans. Mm, new cans, new podcast studio, new two mic setup. But kids, it's time. It's time, kids. You sleep tight. I bet you're tired. You have a really good night's sleep, kids. And do pat sign off, sir. Clear eyes, full hearts. Do less, kids. Do way less. You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You know you found us when you see a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is... Laguna Beach. Steven's there, just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not pictured.